Uh, Now Catherine is going to come and read a passage from the Bible that she's chosen and then we're going to sing the hymn that she's chosen as well. So Catherine, if you'd like to come and read. The first reading is from Daniel 2, 20-23. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from the Good News According to Matthew, chapter 11. And we start at verse 25, and you can find it on page 977 in the Pew Bibles. So Matthew's Gospel, we start at verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much. Well, I'm very glad indeed that someone chose to read from the New Testament, because that's what I want to talk about in a moment. But before I do that, shall we just bow our heads in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we ask that as we come to this loveliest of all invitations in the Bible, that you would open our eyes to understand what's in your word and apply it to our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, um, they said about the Falklands conflict, didn't they? Who was that um, wonderful commentator? You know, I counted them out and I counted them back in again as he was referring to the jets that uh, left the British base and those that came back. And I feel about St. John's Hartford that it's counting me in and now it's counting me out. Um, I came to see you uh, pretty much at the start of my ministry as a bishop Uh, when I was at your house party, and uh, now I'm seeing you again in the year when I'm going to retire. So, well done on lasting the course. Uh, However, uh, delightful as it is to see you again, uh, I want to focus on that passage from the New Testament in Matthew 11, if you've got that open in front of you. As I said in the prayer, it's one of the loveliest of the invitations you can find in the Bible. Come to me, All who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I suppose at different times of life, we all feel heavy laden. 
some of you, um, uh, some of you may have come this morning feeling um, particularly burdened by things going on in your life or your families, um, uh, and life isn't always uh, uh, unremitting joy by any manner of means. I heard this morning from one of the confirmation candidates when I was reading them that uh, one of them had a season ticket to a well-known Premier Division football club. Uh, And you might remember, some of you are old enough, I think, to remember that uh, there was once um, a manager of Nottingham Forest called Brian Clough. And um, (laughs) a few miserable cheers. Um, (laughs) And uh, curiously enough... He he wrote something really rather profound. He said this, We are the result of thousands of years of human development. We now have better health, better transport, and better living conditions than ever before, but our lives are dominated by stress and worry. It's not what I would call a good quality of life, but I don't know what is. And uh, it, it is true, isn't it? Uh, that uh, however well we present things on the surface, underneath we're fully aware of all of the things that cause us great strain. And so we hear this invitation. And Jesus says, come to me for rest. Now the question is, why come to Christ for rest? Why go there uh, amidst all of life's pressures? Um, And it takes us, I suppose, back to uh, verses 25 and 26 of our reading. And the reason we come to Christ for rest is because of who he is. So look at verses 25 and 26. At that time, I've got a slightly different version from the one that was read, but you'll get the sense of it. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding or learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. We come to Christ because he's the Son of Almighty God. And he's not just the son of almighty God. He's the one to whom all things have been revealed and everything has been handed over to him by his father. So Christians, as you know, believe in the Trinity, the equality of father, son, and Holy Spirit. They are all one God. Um, and yet they, 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 they show us themselves in these ways of being son, father, and Holy Spirit. And the son is the one who has all of the power of God himself handed over to him, and he reveals him to us. In other words, he puts it all in human terms so that we can understand it. Now, just have a think for a second. You've got an invitation from Almighty God himself expressed through his Son. I I mean, I love getting invitations. Um... I'm always in awe of people whose dining room mantelpieces are stuffed full of, you know, embossed cards inviting them to various different events. And, you know, I go back to my own mantelpiece and look at the polling card invite, you know, and <laughs> things like that. And, 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 you know, wish it was, you know, had, had better things on it. 
Um, and, you know, if you get an invite from someone, you know, who is prestigious, you, you don't treat it casually, do you? I, I remember um, watching the programme, Would I Lie to You? And Lee Mack was trying to suggest to the panel that he had been invited to Harry and Meghan's wedding, but had failed to turn up because a friend of his had contacted him the night before uh, in, in, in great need of help with his family, and Lee had decided to go and help him instead of going to the wedding. And this is, this is what he was trying to persuade the panel had happened. And, uh, you know, understandably, they all rejected it as a lie. And it was indeed a lie. Uh, the reason they rejected it was because they thought that, not because um, Lee Mack would have passed up an invitation in favour of a friend, but because they couldn't believe that Harry and Meghan would have ever invited Lee Mack. <laughs> but it just highlights the point, doesn't it, that if you get an invitation from somebody uh, of real significance, it is a great privilege, and you don't turn it down. You pay attention to it at the very least. Now, can I just say that the Bible is telling us here we have an invitation from God Almighty expressed through the man to whom he has handed all power and authority. This is the one who is in charge of the cosmos. This is the one that every one of us is going to have to meet one day and we will appear before him And he will be a judge of what happens to us. Our futures are entirely in his hands. Our hope for the world to come is entirely in his hands. Our ability to say with any credibility that we believe in life after death is entirely because Jesus Christ himself rose from the dead into a life that goes on forever. And it is only our ability to share in that and the power that he gives us to do that that gives us any hope at all for the future. Uh, and you may say, well, that's all very well, but it's, you know, um, it's, it's just, so many, just so many tales that you read in the Bible. Um, I mean, let me, let me just ask, you know, That is the way in which Jesus is dismissed by so many people in the world. Jesus himself says it in verse 25. You've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. There was people who come prepared to to accept. And you look at what Jesus did when he came into the world, fully attested by witnesses, and you see the extraordinary miraculous power he had all the power of God himself to raise dead people, to control the elements, power over sickness and death. And you say to yourself, well, if there was ever one man to whom this applied, it would be him. He's the one who gives us this invitation. So let's have a look at what the invitation consists in. First of all, he says, come to me. Come to me. When we accept Christ's invitation, we don't agree to adopt a set of principles or a rule for life. We come to a person, Jesus Christ. He's not just a figure from history. He's the living Son of God 
who will work in our lives to continually reveal things about God to us. He's a companion who will walk with us through life. He's one who goes through all of the ups and downs with us, who understands what we're going through and helps us to understand how better to approach what life holds for us. He'll show us more and more about what he's like as he gives us a growing interest in God's word. And the more we see what he's like and what he's done for us, the more we will want to be like him. Can I tell you that there is nothing so enthralling or exciting as the company of Christ? I remember my sister telling me once about a lodger in her house and she described him in rather dismissive ways. She commented on his weight, on his clumsiness, um, on his um, inability to do various things. But then she said, however, I do love sitting down with him in the evening and watching TV. He's utterly fascinating. He even makes TV interesting. And that's the thing about somebody who is enthralling. You want to be with them because they enhance everything else. And the company of Jesus Christ is utterly gripping. And it's not just because of the wisdom of his teaching. It's his love for us. Here is someone who, 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 who just wants to pour out love to us. He gave up his life for us to take the consequences of our own wrongdoing on himself so that we shouldn't have to face those consequences, that we should be cleared from our sin and enabled to be part of the family of God who is perfect. And he's offered to hold on to everyone who puts their trust in him so that even physical death won't be the end of it. He'll raise us into the life that he has. Well, there's an invitation. Come to me. It's an invitation which outstrips anything you'll ever receive, even if it were to come from Buckingham Palace. Come to me. Now, secondly, learn from me. Learn from me. Did you see uh, those, that, 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 that phrase? He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So when we come to Christ, he doesn't expect us to be the finished product. He does expect uh, our lives to change, but it's not, um, it's not by our own efforts necessarily. It's, it's through his company. Uh, when someone keeps us close company, we, you know, we do learn from them. Now, there have been several times over the years of my ministry, and before I was a bishop in 2015, I was a vicar for many years in Plymouth. There have been several times over the years when people have said to me, I can't become a Christian until I've sorted my life out. As though they had to make themselves good enough for Christ's company. But Jesus isn't like that. He says, come to him when you're conscious you're not making the progress you'd like to. Come to him when you're burdened. Come to him when you feel as though all your ideals have been shot to pieces. 
None of us are free from sin or live perfect lives. We all have struggles of one kind or another. Being a bishop doesn't exempt me from the normal struggles that we all have or the temptations that we face. But it's as Jesus keeps us company that bit by bit we're changed. Another thing that's been said to me over the years is, I can't become a Christian because I know I couldn't keep it up. As, now, if Christianity were a matter of obeying a set of rules, then none of us could keep it up. But the picture we're given in this passage is that of being yoked to Christ. Now, there's some, um, there, there are differences of view over quite exactly what that word means. I mean, at its simplest, it's an agricultural image, isn't it? Of, of two sort of oxen yoked together around the neck so that together they're sharing the burden of pulling uh, the plough or whatever it might be. And, and of course that does happen with Christ. When we're yoked to him, it's not all up to us. He does expect us to read what his will is and to try to put in place something in our lives as a result, even when we feel we can't keep it up. But he is alongside us and gives us strength and pulls with us. So at its simplest, this yoke is, is, is the idea of Christ sharing in the changes that take place in our life. But I've been reading one commentator, and um, it's um, Dane Ortland who wrote a book called Gentle and Lowly, a, a phrase taken from this passage. Um, and he says that the word yoke is the same word that's used elsewhere of the, uh, um, of, of the description kind. Kind. So he says that Jesus is using this phrase ironically. Um, in fact, his yoke is not a burden at all. It's a matter of being alongside somebody who's kind. Isn't that nice? We learn from Christ... And he's kind as he shows us how to live life his way. He's kind as he tells us what it's like to be a child of God. And we start sort of putting into place some of those things that one day we'll be able to do perfectly. He's kind to us. He doesn't expect us to get there all at once. No good, kind teacher would ever do that. And we do need to remember that when we fail, it's not as though we've ruined it. I will give you rest, says Jesus. That word rest implies being right with God. Um, you know, everything being in harmony. God looks at what Jesus did on the cross and forgives and restores us. So come to me. It's a personal invite to personal relationship with Christ. Learn from me. In other words, his company will change us. And if we want our lives to change, Jesus' company will do it. And then thirdly, I am gentle and lowly of heart. So what sort of person is the Jesus that we yoke with? Is he a, a hard taskmaster? Is he someone who exercises coercive control or fills our lives with rules and regulations? 
These are some of the things that people suggest. And indeed, some evangelical preachers can act in a way that suggests that this is what Jesus is like. But no, Jesus is not like that. Jesus is the one who said, blessed are the meek. When he entered Jerusalem as the king coming to his capital city on that first Palm Sunday, he didn't enter it on a war horse. He entered it on a donkey. In Galatians, we're told that one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit's work in our life is gentleness. So as Jesus speaks here about his own heart, he says he is gentle and lowly in heart. Isn't it lovely when people are gentle with us? Um, I remember, I, I, I always remember the times when people have been um, gentle rather than... Um, uh, rather than harsh. So, for example, I remember when I first started as a curate and I was put in charge of um, a daughter church of the main parish church. And um, when I went there, I was feeling very unready for that sort of responsibility. And I had a phone call from the person that used to be the minister at that church. Uh, and he said, oh, I'm just calling to you know, wish you well. I'd heard that you'd been appointed to that. And I told him how unprepared I felt. How out of touch I felt with the people that I was supposed to be ministering to. How inadequate I felt as a teacher of the Bible. And I'll never forget what he said. Sounds like God has selected exactly the right man for the job. No list of instructions or tips for the future or targets to aim at. Just gentle, loving encouragement. Isn't it nice to know that Jesus, our Lord, the one who is responsible for everything in our destiny, is like that? And he doesn't just say he's gentle, he says he's lowly, gentle and lowly, or humble, some versions say. Now, Dane Ortland, in his book, is particularly good on this, he says that that word lowly doesn't just, um, it's not just another way of saying humble. It's got the sense within it of being um, at the bottom of the rung socially. So he says it's got the same sense in it as when Paul says, do not be pr proud, but associate with people of low or lowly estate. So, Jesus says, I am at the bottom of the socioeconomic hierarchy. Why does he say that? He says it in order to demonstrate his accessibility. There is nobody who Jesus will not be available to. He is lowly in heart. There is nothing proud or um, you know, offhand about Jesus. There is nothing so super spiritual that he's out of touch. There is nobody here to whom he is not accessible. Come to me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart.
and I will give you rest. He will make sure that there is a fundamental peace in your heart. Because when you come to him and he assures you of his death as being sufficient to forgive your sins and his life as being strong enough to take you into everlasting life, life lived to the full, he gives you fundamental peace. When you know that meeting God is not going to be a terror, but is going to be a welcome home from the Father, that is a profound cause of rest in your life, of things being in harmony. Yes, there may be struggles and pressures in life. You know, the Barclay card bill may still be unpaid, but you will have rest. So, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, ladies and gentlemen, can I commend this invitation to you? It's an invitation that each person here who's being confirmed today has chosen to accept. We don't have to have worked everything out theologically before we do it. There's a lot of learning for us all to do. But nothing will ever improve on the rest that we're given from the moment we put our trust in Christ to the moment we see him face to face. Amen.